Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, July 22nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Hong Kong protesters escalate demonstrations by targeting Chinese government offices. The UK denies that it could have stopped Iranian forces from capturing a British-flagged tanker. Early exit polls show Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky's party winning Sunday's snap parliamentary election. And Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's ruling coalition wins a clear majority in Japan's upper house. Plus, Colombia has grown a reputation for its illegal drug trade. But the FT's Gideon Long explains how the country is pivoting towards something legal, cannabis. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Hong Kong protesters targeted China's main government office on Sunday. Thousands gathered at the Liaison Office for Hong Kong, Beijing's representative bureau. In the weeks of protests, it was the first time demonstrators had directly attacked a mainland Chinese institution. The protesters spray-painted over the building's security cameras, wrote graffiti insulting China, and one person threw an egg at the building. Police returned fire with tear gas and rubber bullets. Hong Kong has seen two months of protests after the introduction of a controversial bill by Chief Executive Carrie Lam. The bill would have allowed suspects to be extradited to mainland China. Sunday's march comes a day after police said they found explosives and anti-extradition bill posters in a factory complex. They said they've made three arrests in relation to the discovery and were investigating links to a pro-independence group. Last week, Iranian forces seized a British-flagged tanker. But now the British government finds itself defending the circumstances that have led to a rise in Middle East tensions. The government was criticized by a former Royal Navy chief and two leading conservative MPs. They say there could have been more measures in place to prevent the seizure by the Iranian Revolutionary Guards in the Strait of Hormuz. But on Sky's Sophie Ridge on Sunday, UK Defense Minister Tobias Elwood said that when it comes to the strait, quote, it is impossible simply to escort each individual vessel. So our first and most important responsibility is to make sure that we get a solution to the issue to do with the current ship, make sure other British flagged ships are safe to operate in its waters, and then look at this wider picture of actually having a working, proper professional relationship with Iran. But this is a hostile act. UK Foreign Secretary and Conservative leadership candidate Jeremy Hunt is expected to brief MPs on the situation in the Gulf today. Early exit polls show that President Volodymyr Zelensky's party won yesterday's Ukraine snap election. The polls say that the servant of the People's Party gathered between 43 and 44 percent of the vote. But pollsters also said that the party failed to secure an outright majority. The victory would mean that Mr. Zelensky would take the lead in forming the legislature's ruling majority and coalition government. Mr. Zelensky called parliamentary elections after taking power in late May. He had beaten veteran politician Petro Poroshenko and wanted to usher a new generation into power. Mr. Zelensky says he envisions a technocrat as prime minister and says, quote, this person should be a very professional economist, a completely independent person. 
And after nearly seven years in politics, it's clear Shinzo Abe still has a firm grip on Japanese politics. The prime minister's ruling coalition won a clear majority in elections to Japan's upper house on Sunday. Mr. Abe has proposed a reform that would keep the pacifist clause of the constitution, but explicitly recognizes the legality of Japan's armed forces. Parties in favor of revising Japan's pacifist constitution need a two-thirds majority, but early projections from TV networks say it's too close to call whether they'll secure it. The election gives Mr. Abe's government firm control in both houses of parliament. The election comes at a time when tensions between Japan and South Korea are escalating, and Japan is encountering difficult trade talks with the U.S. With a majority in hand, Mr. Abe is expected to go ahead with a rise in consumption tax from 8 to 10 percent this fall. And here's a closer look at a story you should know more about. Colombia has been known for its illegal drug trade. The country is the biggest producer of cocaine in the world. But over the past few years, the country has emerged as an ideal place to legally cultivate another drug. Yeah, it's cannabis. And really, this is because of the boom in demand for medicinal cannabis over the last few years. That's the FT's Gideon Long. He says mostly North American companies are looking for places to cheaply grow cannabis. And they're looking toward Latin America, especially Colombia. And there are three main reasons for that, I think. The climate is perfect. Colombia is on the equator. It gets 12 hours of regular sunlight each day throughout the year. Perfect climate for growing cannabis. The second reason that is that land is plentiful and relatively cheap. And the third reason is that labor is relatively cheap. And also that Colombian cultivators have experience in the cut flower industry. So they're ideally suited to switch over into the cannabis industry. So what are some of the companies that are looking into producing in Colombia? Can you, can you give me a few examples? The biggest of them all is Canopy Growth, which is the largest cannabis company in the world. It has a market capitalization now of over $13 billion. Another of the big companies, a Canadian-Colombian company, is Chiron Life Sciences. They've been here for the last couple of years. They, last year, became the first cannabis producer with its core operations in Colombia to list on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And Pharmaciello, another Canadian company, has an operation in Rio Negro, which is very close to Medellin, which of course was the capital of the cocaine trade for many years. So lots of international companies moving in, usually in the form of joint ventures with local Colombian startups. But Gideon, some people have reservations about Colombia and some of the setbacks local growers might face as the industry gets bigger. Yeah, I think that's one of the main worries in the cannabis industry here in Colombia is that people feel as though the only way of really getting a handle on the medicinal cannabis industry is if you have a lot of money behind you. And that really excludes small farmers who maybe have a small plot of land and are hoping that they can just use that plot of land to grow cannabis and sell it to the bigger companies. So there is some concern that this industry will benefit the big players, but will leave small holders, small Colombian farmers out of the business. Some of the big companies have started projects to try and compensate smaller farmers. So they're trying to buy up the produce of small cannabis producers and incorporate them into their own sales. So there are some measures in place to ensure that there is a trickle-down effect and actually the cannabis industry benefits not only big companies, but also small producing farmers in Colombia. Colombia is well known for its illegal cocaine trade. 
Are there security concerns when it comes to cannabis? Yeah, security is an issue. Colombia is a much safer country than it once was. If you go back to the 1990s and the 2000s even, it was a pretty dangerous country and particularly around Medellin. But it's become much safer. Having said that, it's still not the safest country in the world. The government has signed a historic peace agreement with the Marxist guerrillas from the FARC. That was signed in 2016. That's made it slightly safer. But still, there are concerns that the cannabis industry could go the same way as the coca industry and fall into the hands of the same criminal gangs that control the cocaine trade. So just to give you one example, I was talking to Alvaro Torres, who's the CEO of Chiron. And he said that all of the cannabis resin, which they produce at that site, they fly up to Bogota by helicopter because it's just too dangerous to take it by road. This is merchandise, which is worth a lot of money. He said that each flask of this cannabis resin is, is worth around $100,000. So uh, they, ha because of the security situation, they have to fly it by helicopter. And that obviously adds to the cost. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following Washington. White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow is expected to hold a meeting with tech executives today regarding the U.S. ban on sales to Huawei. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.